Guys, welcome to another huge episode of Triggered. You're gonna love today's episode. We have National Pulse Editor-in-Chief, the great Raheem Kassam. We had him on the show a few months ago and pretty much, honestly, pretty much he predicted everything that came true. So we needed to have him back on to get the inside scoop on what's next. Raheem started off working for Nigel Farage, you know, one of the original populists uh, working on Brexit and all of those ideas. He understands the movement. He's been a part of it from day one. He's out there constantly defending uh, the insanity uh, you know, of what's going on right now in this world and really defending the America first portion of it because he gets it and he's been a part of it from day one. There's a ton of information to get into. Raheem will give us all the behind the scenes details of what's going on in Washington. And as always, he's not going to hold anything back. That's also something that drives the people online absolutely insane about Raheem. Uh, now, he's British, so the rather judicious use of the C word uh, at this point, we, we may have to get into this one because uh, it drives them nuts. And at this point, I think it's just absolutely hilarious. Uh, so make sure you like, subscribe down below. I see it, guys. I see the number of people watching. Let's get the likes proportionate with who's watching, okay? Uh, like, share, subscribe, download the Rumble app so others can help and see and continue to get the message out. Uh, it's all of you who make this show possible, along with some of our brave sponsors, okay? It takes some guts to support programming like this, so be sure to check out the amazing folks over at Gold Co. We saw the Fed recently raised rates to the highest level in 22 years. It does not seem to stop. Think of what that's gonna do to the economy. Think of what that's gonna do to houses when people's mortgages and their five-year adjustable rate mortgage resets. Add that to the inflation, the reckless spending, the global turmoil we see playing out every day. I just want you to be prepared and owning tangible physical inflation hedging, gold and silver can help secure and stabilize your portfolio. They're literally debanking conservatives, folks, okay? We can ask Raheem about that because they did it to Nigel, his old boss, Nigel Farage. He was in the European parliament and they did it to him. You don't think they'll do it to you? Goldco has top-notch customer service. They'll answer all of your questions. They'll walk you through the whole process. So go to donjuniorgold.com to learn more. That's D-O-N-J-R-G-O-L-D.com to learn more. They'll walk you through it step-by-step. Step. They'll teach you what you need to know, learn before you do anything, but that's the difference. They'll actually teach you. They're not just selling you something. Learn and take care of yourself. Protect your family from the insanity that's going on. And by the way, while you're at it, don't forget about Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Folks, we live in the real world. It's 2023. I have a feeling you're gonna have a cell phone in your pocket. If you're gonna do that, do it with Patriot Mobile where you can put America first first with every call, okay? all while getting the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. Patriot Mobile provides you dependable wireless service at an affordable price, putting your dollars into action and supporting freedom-loving values. They literally donate a portion of every dollar to support groups and causes that you believe for, fighting for the First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, the sanctity of life, protecting our brave police and first responders, by the way, they also have been funding some of the battles to get the insane radical leftists out of our school boards, and they've been winning. 
okay? So you can give your money to an AT&T whose parent company wanted to cancel Newsmax and OAN and other conservative programming, or you can give it to Patriot Mobile for free, fast, quick and easy activation. Go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered, like the name of the show. PatriotMobile.com slash triggered. You're going to have a phone in your pocket anyway. Vote with your wallet. Give it to those who are fighting for your causes, not those who are going to weaponize your money against you. It's pretty simple, folks. PatriotMobile.com slash triggered. Free activation. They'll make it fast, easy, and you can support the causes we believe in. With that, joining us now, Editor-in-Chief of the National Pulse, Raheem Kassam. Uh, good friend, I, you know, listen, uh, we were chatting a little bit before we got the show. You're driving people online in cra crazy. I mean, you've been doing that for a long time. Usually it's usually it's with your ideas, Raheem. These days, it's just sort of the British use of the C word, which is rather common. Actually, it's common vernacular. Uh, you know, it seems like in the U.S. that became like the the unholy grail of like language. You're not allowed to use that. In, in the UK and Australia, like British, sort of the colonial world, it's sort of like a common, it's like using bitch. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, like bitch exclamation point. Uh, what's going on with this? Why is it driving people so crazy? And you used to have fun with it, but it's almost like, it, it, it's not even sport anymore for you to drive the libtards crazy. You know, there are a couple of things, and by the way, thank you for having me back. It, it proves perhaps that I didn't swear enough on the first episode, so maybe maybe we'll try and beat <laughs> yeah. that. Um, it became a thing, really, I've, you know, we use the C word all the time in England. You use it to say hello to your friends, you say, you know, yeah. I, I don't even want to do it on this show because I think there are still some people out there who are a little bit um, cautious about it. Perhaps yeah. after I explain, uh, they'll become less cautious about it. Um, but that wasn't what really drove me to use it. What really drove me to use it is, you know, they've started telling us that uh, they don't know what a woman is, right? But that this word is explicitly offensive to women. Well, you can't yeah. have it both ways, right? If if anybody can be a woman and everybody is a woman, then you can't have explicitly gender offensive terms, That's right? Interesting. So, so now I'm like, okay, so we're reclaiming some of this language that you've said to us for so long is, is too harsh because it refers to, you know, whatever it is, yeah. uh, because that whatever it is, is so amorphous to you now. So I started deploying it very often, uh, really because of that. And, and it's kind of a, an exclamation point on the insanity in America yeah. right now. But the, the other thing that makes it so funny to me is when I was growing up, um, the Americans were the brash ones. Right. Like we would turn on yeah. our televisions in, in merry old England and watch the crude humor in American sitcoms and the, you know, uh, even even down to sort of like the bikini babes in the in the you know then Bud Light ads were a little a little more uh, than the British palette necessarily had on our televisions. And yeah. now it seems to have gone the other way. It seems to have flipped. It's like so many of the libs. And by the way, I'm afraid the DeSantis supporters in America have turned into these like priggish and prudish people. Yeah. And I just think, hey, listen, you're in the fight of your lives right now. And the thing you're most concerned about is is some awfully, awfully language. Um, we have to we have to knock ourselves out of that. Uh, and I think I think what it represents, as funny as it is to talk about this, what it represents is is who's willing to fight on the on the terms at which we are being engaged in Correct. this fight 
And that is not by the rule book, by the way. And who's yeah. willing to fight, but only up to a certain point, uh, lest you offend somebody. And, yeah, and I'm just I, not one of those latter guys. I, I see that a lot. I, by the way, I see it on the show because, like, like I said, I, I don't, I understand fully where I came from. I'm the son of a billionaire, but like part of what made us different, like my father made us sort of grow up on job sites and construction sites. It's, it's. You know, he did the same, and I think it's sort of why he relates to that working class guy so well, because he actually spent a lot of time with them, not just sort of commanding over them from a, you know, a gilded office. He had the gilded office, but he actually spent a lot of time on those job sites. So I did as well. And I, I noticed that, like, even on the show, you know, I'll drop, you know, an F-bomb or say shit or so, whatever it may be. And like, you know, a lot of the people who are, their language and you know, I, I get it. I, I don't even mean it to be offensive. I'm not doing it on purpose. It's probably, a, you know, a, a flaw. But like, a, you're right. There's a there's a component. Like I use it like ex like punctuation. You know, it, it's an exclamation point on a thing. It's not meant to be anything else. And yet, I think your point is right. There's sort of a, I and and I I imagine most of it is also fake, right? There's you know, you talked about sort of the disimps uh, out there. Like you know, they'll find anything that now they're going to take a puritanical approach. And yet, if you search their feed, you find it all over the place. It's like they need to find something to differentiate themselves and bitch about. And it like it's sort of part of the problem. You're right. Like the other side, the Democrats, like they are playing by like the radical dictatorial communist regime playbook. They're playing hardball and cheating while we're sitting there still like talking about, well, we must play T-ball so that we don't offend, you know, what, like, I'm like, guys, have, have you been watching? Like, these people would put you in the gulags for life. They're not even pretending anymore. That is no longer, and probably never was, hyperbole, though, you know, even even some on the conservative side said it's hyperbole. Ron DeSantis said it was hyperbole a few weeks ago when he said, you know, the weaponization of our government. Well, that's not real. Oh, really? Is it real now with four indictments on Trump a couple of weeks later? Uh, that doesn't work. Right, right. And and but but you you, know, you can draw these parallels in so many of the things that, you know, come out of the left. But yes, I, honestly, I'm more I'm more. I mean, I use this word offended right now by the attitude of DeSantis supporters on the Internet, because remember, these are the people who have used the N word in their in their private text messages. And those got you know leaked out and, and shown for who these, by, who these by the way, how really did that not become a story? Because that, that same person who did that, you know, said some, you know, off color things about other people. But like that itself actually was sort of like a, a sideline. In, in, in another bigger story, whereas to me, that's actually much more offensive because, you know, it, they tried and they've tried doing this. It's like, you know, I've made jokes with my friends who are Jewish, but they're on the text thread. You know what I mean? Like you're, when you're doing it with your friends, it, it seems like it's actually different. And I don't want to justify anything or whatever it is. And they'll try to cancel you for that. But it's one thing to go after people when they're not present and you're doing it with another group. Of rich. It's, it's a whole nother thing when half the people that you're actually offending are your best friends. In my, in my case, I've had it like with like groomsmen and they try to say that you're saying something. I'm like, I don't know, dude, the guy's a groomsman. I'm pretty sure he <laughs> understands and he's giving it back. But because he's giving right. it back to me, that takes away from their argument. And therefore, uh, we're just not going to include those kinds of things. By the way, what is what is the kind of racial ethnic slur that we can use against you? Is it German? Can I, can I call you a kraut? Yeah, I, I guess. I, you know, I'm, I'm Scottish. I'm Czech. There's probably plenty. You know, I imagine there's plenty of Europeans that somehow hate the Slavs in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm sure there's something to do there. But I, honestly, but I think, I, hey, 
if we're gonna call it, like, I'm, I'm a cisgendered, whatever that actually means, but I guess I'm, like, you know, straight white male, like, isn't that, isn't that enough these days to be, to, that, to offend people? I mean, I would it's think that, that was that more, more than enough offensive. to offend everyone. I, frankly, I think that's the most offensive thing someone could be these days. It's wildly offensive. And, and you know, but back to the parallels. This is the campaign that had, you know, put out a, a Nazi Sonnenrad in its, in its campaign videos. This is the um, campaign where the guy who's running is sitting on a movie set in Iowa while your father is being arrested for the fourth time and, and paying bond and taking, having his mugshot taken, and he's asked, hey, you know, what do you think of this? And he goes, well, I'm just happy to be in Iowa, right? I'm just yeah. happy to be on this movie set. And it, and it kind of tells you everything about who they are, what kind of campaign they're running, goes right back to this point about, about the realness of the people who might use uh, the F-bomb or the C-bomb from time to time, the realness of that, the authenticity of that, versus this kind of scripted campaign where they're always trying to paper over who they really are. It's yeah, that was scary because you you direction. saw that on the debate, right? You saw, uh, wait, uh, can I can I answer the most obvious question in literally all of conservative? Like, if you can't, you know, if, if you need, you know, it, if you need to take off the blinders uh, to figure out how to answer, like, hey, would you do something to stop the weaponization of government, essentially? Like, and, and you got to look around, like, what, well, what will my billionaire donor sitting in front row say? Can I get his permission? You know, right. say what you want, but you think that guy's going to make a real call that's good for the American people over what those people ultimately want when when they're the man? You know, it, it doesn't work. And you saw that because the DeSantis influencers, I think, initially probably did a great job because they were able to take a guy with no personality with, you know, who, who will, as you know, Vivek sort of called out, you know, check the wind before making any decision, whatever it may be. But in a short 15 second clip could make him look like he was this you know, great fighter for the cause. But you see him in what I call long form. You see DeSantis in long form and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yikes. Uh, it, it, it's scary. There is no personality there. There is no actual decisive. There's frankly no conviction to anything. It's whatever it is to get him to the next spot, which is why, you know, the weaponization of government, arguably the biggest issue we face as conservatives, because if you think they're only going to stop at Trump, uh, clearly you haven't been watching, is not really a big deal or isn't real. That, that doesn't play. Yeah, and look, you could, you could take clips from Rain Man, right and and edit them down to a 30 second teaser and run that guy for president but then yeah. when you actually sit down with him you'd think well maybe this isn't such a great idea and that appears to be what they've done uh with ron pulled pulled the wool over a lot of people's eyes and, and look i was talking to people about post-debate how they how they you know what key moments they think happened and really it was those two right it was one yeah. will you support trump if he's the nominee but convicted and even in defiance of the pledge they signed to be up there on stage some people hesitated and, and obviously people like asa hutchinson or whatever said no yeah. right but the second part was the ukraine stuff he's asked uh, you know very clearly in very clear terms would you provide more funding for ukraine and Ron's answer is, well, I would get the Europeans to play their part. Yeah, hello, like 2015 Trump campaign called, <laughs> they want their NATO talking points back. Yeah. We're in a different place now. People want peace, 
not equivocation. They want they want somebody to go in there and knock the heads together of these warring factions, not to keep egging this war on by yeah. perhaps placing the burden on Brussels or something else. So even on that critical question that you'll remember got him in a lot of trouble right at the beginning of his campaign. They well, he, he, he reversed his position entirely. He sort of took the Trump light approach with Tucker Carlson on national TV and then a day, maybe two days later, just totally reversed it because, again, the powers that be, whether it's the billionaires, whether it's Paul Ryan, whether it's, you know, uh, Carl Rove, uh, Fox News, whoever got a hold of him and said, hey, you can't say that. You got a reversal. He pulled back like where all of I spoke to a group of 5000 Republicans the other day under a tent uh, about a week ago, and I literally asked all of them, like, hey, is Ukraine a top issue for you? Is it one? Not a hand in the room. Top three, not a hand in the room. Top five, top 10. Top 10, Raheem, not one person raised their hand in a crowd of 5,000 people in the Republican Party. And yet, for these guys in Washington, D.C., it's the biggest issue in the world. And, you know, you're right. I mean, DeSantis knows that because even the, the lines that even hit in the debate were like basically when he copied Trump policy, like, oh, we're gonna use the military on the border against the cartels. I'm like, really? Like, this is your novel idea? I mean, he used nation in decline, which is like, I think it's like on the Trump website. He used it like 15 times. Like, you'd think that with the months and the preparation and the people that they've brought him in for debate prep, like, you'd think he'd be capable of an original thought, but he, is. Wait, but he, but is. he hasn't. He is. No, but wait, he is. He was capable of one original line in that debate, and it was in his closing statement. Do you remember what it was? I don't. I, it, was, said, it was so choreographed, <laughs> I stopped listening. I was watching yeah, Tucker. Well, he's, giving this, he's giving this clearly scripted, or trying to deliver this scripted closing statement, and then, and then you can see something clicks in his head, and like, off the cuff, Ron comes in, and he goes, you don't get any mulligans. And I think he heard himself say the word mulligan in a closing statement and realized like, oh no, like I totally messed that up. You see, once Ron introduces real Ron yeah. into his um, common, you know, look, let Trump be Trump was is a common thing and people love that, right? Because it's about, yeah. it's about being real. Um, let Ron be Ron doesn't work yeah. for the DeSantis campaign because Ron, when Ron is Ron, is actually really just, really just fucking weird at the end of the day. Yeah, well, listen, you, you pretty much actually predicted uh, everything that's happening with the sham indictments, with the collapse of DeSantis. I, you're right. To get to know Ron is to dislike Ron. I've been <laughs> saying that to people off, I told you off the record this for a while because I spent three weeks with him on the campaign trail. So I'm like, mm. listen, I get it. Short form Ron DeSantis edited into a meme for 15 seconds. Like eventually you gotta be the man, you gotta be on the stage. Uh, people will figure it out, but you nailed all these things. So I guess to start, talk about where you think the MAGA movement now is in terms of strength, enthusiasm, uh, you know, what, what's your confidence level about, you know, my father's 24 campaign at the moment? Look, I think from what I can see, the, the campaign itself is currently solid. Um, I would personally have, um, you know, flags up if, if people from 2020 were reintroduced. I, I, I think that was, you know, you have to have some learning moments from that. You have to understand, like, how um, the campaign got rolled on a number of issues. There was mm -hmm. obviously the big Oklahoma rally that was a problem. Um, there was, there were, there were, you know, a number of things. And 
I was on air like a year before that election saying like, hey, they're going to steal it and here's how they're going to steal it, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, it was so wacky an idea. It was so out of the, the, the normal yeah. kind of framework of how even American elections when they are, um, you know, not necessarily rigged, but when they're toyed with and monkeyed yeah. around with, um, that people were kind of like, oh, Raheem, what are you talking about? You know, that's crazy. Maybe that could happen somewhere off in Eastern Europe, but it's not going to happen here. And of course it happened here. And, you know, I think there are three or four major, maybe even five major areas in which I still don't think anybody's quite prepared. Yeah. I think the no labels thing is a much bigger deal than people think. Uh, I actually have a lot of sourcing in Washington, D.C. that they, they talk to me about how this thing is going to work. Most, you wouldn't believe it. Most of my friends are actually libs in D.C. And yeah. so I get to understand like what they're talking about and what they're planning. And a lot of the planning around the no labels thing, by the way, is to stop both Trump and Biden getting to 270 and allowing a Democrat-controlled House of Representatives to pick who the next president is going to be. And as a result, they will deploy strategically candidates on the ballots in different states to keep other people from winning the two, from you know from getting to 270. I don't think there is yet an answer to that. I think, of course, we are seeing the reintroduction of COVID and COVID fear uh, that is coming in. Mask mandates will be coming back. New vaccine mandates will be coming back. And, and while most states will probably demur from going as far as they went last time, places like New York, places like California will try and set the tone by going further and faster uh, than they did the first time around. So there's all of these things. And of course, that comes with mail-in ballots. And Although so -and -so. I, I do think some of that backfires, but but yes, I, sure. I, but I but I agree with you. Sure. I mean, they're, they're clearly it's trying. I mean, backfire. Joe Biden wants to start a new round of vaccine. I'm just like, <laughs> really? Like they're, wait, like they're, they're going for it? Like now we've gotten used to sort of feeling like we're being punked, uh, you know, when we see the news of the day uh, yeah. every day. I mean, it's, it's half the thesis of this show usually, but but they're really doing it. Like it, there's, uh, I guess there's so little awareness to what's going on. Even yeah, probably even with many liberals around the country that it, it and it's so brazen that it does make you wonder. Like what are we missing? If they think they can actually do this, if they don't actually care, if they haven't heard our voices, like you know, what do they know that we don't know? How much of it's pre baked? Yeah, but look, uh, I agree with you, by the way, that a lot of it can backfire. I think a lot of this legal stuff is backfiring in real time. We're watching yeah. a lot of it backfiring. Um, you know, seven million dollars raised in in one day, twenty million dollars raised over the last three weeks for the Trump campaign. In amongst all of these indictments, there there is of course elements of yeah. backfiring, but that doesn't mean they're not going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, um, at the problem and just see see what actually lands any any blows. And I think one of the things about the COVID stuff that they're really hoping works for them is independents uh, and, and and especially moderates who are um, fear motivated. Uh, they will want to try and box Trump into an uncomfortable position where he has to hold his base by saying, no, we're not going to go through new lockdowns and we're not going to do all this stuff that we did last time, but at the same time win over those fearful moderates and independents who kind of might want a little bit of a lockdown and might want a new vaccine round and all of this stuff. It, it will be tricky and it will be interesting and it will be hard for this campaign team to navigate. But this is why I come back to my original statement. I think this campaign team that they've got right now, I have scarcely seen um, more talent, more vigor, more um, you know understanding, full full spectrum understanding of not just the ideas, but like those little moments, right? Waffle House 
or 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 uh, Versailles in Miami and things like that that really make the world of difference to how especially those moderates and independents who are watching on on cable news and network news how they consume the uh, media surrounding what happened on that day because without those moments it would have just been, you know, Trump's yeah. going to prison, Trump's going to jail, Trump's going to court. But then you have that juxtaposition of these, you know, populist moments. That's what we did during the Brexit campaign, right? You can have your onstage political debates, put everyone to sleep, you know, gray suits, gray topics, uh, you know, Brett Baer, um, but, you know, putting everyone to sleep, quite frankly, during that thing. Um, but then you have to have these great open moments that could go terribly wrong. Right, they could yeah. be terribly wrong. Well, listen, Joe I, Biden I, walked out of the Pilates place last week in Lake Tahoe and gets booed in Lake yeah. Tahoe live on camera. These things can happen. But I think if there's any team out there right now that shows the the aptitude to get a populist campaign done, it is this current Trump team. Yeah, I mean, to your, to your point about those moments, I mean, this mugshot actually seems to have really energized the base. And it was clearly designed to embarrass my father. That's what the left wanted. It was a, uh, now it's sort of a badge of honor. I'm watching, you know, black Twitter explode when I'm traveling, I, you know, in in the, you know, the 10 week, whatever it is since that thing came out, the amount of sort of, you know, black males especially, but that have come up to me like, hey man, we get it. Like, we're, we're with you guys. Like, no more of this stuff. Like, it's, it's a badge of honor. And the D.C. trial is now going to begin on March 4th. That's the day before Super Tuesday. Like, if we could imagine that a, a heavily biased D.C. judge could attempt to pick a worse day for the Trump campaign, it would be the day before Super Tuesday, where, like, 12 states have their primaries. And yet, for this campaign, and probably no other in the history of campaigns, I actually think it could be like a windfall, even though, again, clearly not how it was designed. How do you think all of this is playing out with those independent voters? Yeah, look, I, I, I tend to agree um, that there could be a potential windfall here. It has to be played particularly well. The, the, there is still, of course, this, I guess, like wince that you have as an independent or moderate voter when you see somebody who's running for president entering a courtroom, right? Let alone entering three or four different courtrooms yeah. over that period of time. So you have to deal with it in a, in a very specific and very certain way. And and by the way, I, I think you probably did this as well. I think on the as we were as we we're all waiting for the mugshot to come out, we we're all thinking, what's it going to look like, right? Is he is he going to be smiling? Is he going to be you know what's the what's going to be in the eyes? What's going to all of this kind of stuff. And it turned out to be the perfect mugshot, right? It's <laughs> honestly, it's like the perfect mugshot. It's the it perfect phone call, the perfect mugshot. I mean, it's perfect. It turned out to be the perfect mugshot. And sometimes you just, you know, God graces you with certain things at certain times, and you just and you just run with it, right? And so I think you're going to probably see a lot of that, and hope for a lot of that, and pray for a lot of that on the run up to those actual uh, court appearances. The the thing that I find really interesting for the people that aren't following the minutia, the detail of this, is the, the the point about moving the trial back was not simply an election point. It's not like an arbitrary, hey, yeah. you know, can we kick it into the long grass, please, because we've got an election to fight. Although, you know, there is that, right? Yeah. But um, there's also 12.5 million 
pages of discovery in this case. And the lawyers are saying, well, hold on a minute. Like, you know, we're working a number of cases right now. You, the judge, know that. And yet you want to haul us in having not just looked at. You don't just look at 12.5 million pages of discovery. You have to look at, cross-reference, analyze, you know, all of these different things that come with solving a case and putting, putting a case together based upon those sorts of things. I mean, that that is one of the most gargantuan, heavy lifts you could possibly imagine. And 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 I don't know about you. I've had my fair share of dealings with lawyers. Fundamentally, they are just like the rest of us. If they can put in the minimum work, they yeah. will put in the minimum work. And this is asking them to do not just the maximum work, but actually a level of workload that I don't think they're yet prepared for. So that, yeah. look, I tweeted this yesterday. This stuff is not just about bleeding the campaign dry of money. Of course, there is that. But what it's also set to do is bleed the campaign dry or, you know, it's called opportunity cost, right? If you're spending time on one thing, you don't get to spend time on another. It ain't just the money you're talking about here. It's the manpower. It's the brain power. It's all of that. And, And things are finite. They are finite. As much as I think of somebody like Trump as a, as a Superman-type figure in, in, in modern American history, Superman still had his weaknesses too. You know, kryptonite uh, and, and is perhaps time is the kryptonite in this, in this yeah. situation. And that's what Judge Chutkan knows. That's what they all know. Yeah, you, I mean, you talked about sort of in, in that tweet, I remember, and I was going to ask you about it next, you know, sort of, you know, four mechanisms uh, for doing this, what what are the what are the others? I mean, that's clear. The opportunity cost side of things is huge, right? Uh, make it harder for him to campaign for those in the House uh, who need his help. And and again, uh, that's a place where probably tra- you know I don't think even if he was the nominee, I don't care if it's Ron DeSantis or Chris Christie or it, like they're not helping other candidates get across the line. They don't generate that kind of enthusiasm. So you know what what are the other mechanisms though? Uh, you know, beyond sort of time and money to prevent him from being able to be out there also helping others. Well, this is what I mean. You know, they, they, they're trying to take away from the ability to to push back and hit back on the COVID stuff. I think they fully intend to use that as one of the things here. They're trying to stop anybody scrutinizing what's really going on with the no label stuff and the third party campaigns. You know, everything you hear in the media right now is that, oh, no labels hurts Biden. Well, that sets the alarm bells ringing. Right. Because if the media is in concert telling you something, then it is probably not true. Right. Yeah. Expand on that a little bit, because, you know, again, initially when I heard about it, I'm looking at it, I'm like, it probably does hurt Biden a little bit. But now that I think about it further, it 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 seems like it's designed, you know, beyond sort of the face value, you start looking in and it seems clearly designed uh, in a much more nefarious manner than than that. Because yeah, the, the, even the conservatives involved are they're they're happy with Democrat rule because they still have their power. There's no consequence to that loss. You know they'll end up with some sort of token, you know, ambassadorship or you know, uh, position uh, in government. So they don't care if it's another four years of this. But I think another four years of this is debilitating to, you know, not just you know hardworking Americans in our economy, but basically do anything we hold near and dear in terms of our freedoms because the the attack on those things our you know our basic god-given rights under our constitution has been under such attack and yet you know whether it be because of covid or other things people so willingly just accepted that you know people like to say rhinos right like and you would say the people on the no labels who class themselves as uh, on the right are rhinos. I have a different phrase that I like to use for them. I wonder if you can figure out the um, the acronym for me. It's conservatives under notional terms. 
Right? <laughs> By the way, okay. So much better. Can we just please, can we just please replace rhinos uh, with conservatives under notional terms? Because like, it's, it's so much better. It's so much better. And I know, I know, you know, the, the 5% of the people that have a problem with language, and I get it, like, it, it, if it's not for you, that's fine. I don't force you to watch, and it's, it, it is what it is, but, like, we got bigger things to worry about. Like, it's it's a much better phraseology for essentially the same thing. Maybe the, the same it's thing with accurate. an exclamation point, like Jeb exclamation point. It's, <laughs> I think it's more accurate. I don't know, you know, because they're not rhinos, are they? They're not big, scary creatures that, you know, you that, that actually make a dent in anything and can and can chase anybody off. They are they are frauds. They're phonies. They're conservatives under notional or nominal terms, whatever you want to call it. And the people who are on the no labels thing. So you have you have the conservatives under notional terms, and then you have a lot of people who say that you know in the middle. I I, I like to think of those as the useful idiots generally, and it's people like Manchin, right, who will be bought into this thing uh because they don't realize necessarily that their philosophy their mantra what they've claimed to represent for so long is actually on the chopping block under this thing because what they'll do is try and run people like mansion put someone like mansion on the ballot in west virginia with the idea of pulling votes away uh from trump and they'll do the same to biden where it makes it uh so that neither of the candidates reach the 270 that they need to to win the electoral college right so then you've got this you've got to look at it in this sense what are the no labels people really care about the most? Is it the good of the American people? I, I have yet to see that proved out yeah. anywhere. Uh, or is it this amorphous idea of like, uh, you know, rules based uh, global order? Right. And that includes, obviously, furtherance of the war in Ukraine. It includes the continuous denigration of the Constitution in pursuit of something that they just call our democracy our democracy and the buzzwords that fly around so much on the on the and by the way i was one of these guys back in the day you know i worked for a neoconservative foreign policy think tank as my first job out of college having studied politics right i hold my hands up to it i was i was lured in by all that that glossy talk uh but i saw through it very quickly when i started to probe and say to them well hold on a minute you talk about democracy and democratic rule we never actually talk about you know because people forget the, the english do actually have a constitution too we don't have it codified in quite the same way that you guys do but we have a we have a living constitution but we never talk about that we never talked about the defense of that we never talked about the importance of the nation state one day i went to my boss and i was like hey dude i think i'm out actually like this isn't what i'm into and um that's what they're trying to do here right it's less america more the world um less populism more globalism um and and there are a couple of other to, to come back to your question a couple of other tricks electoral tricks um that they're using at the moment I won't get too much into them now because I'm still trying to report some of them out and tease out of my sources what actually is going on there. But I expect, expect a minimum of four or five different kind of steel um, mechanisms to be deployed at this next election. And and listen, um, you could be the most popular candidate in the world. If you do not deal with those things and you do not have an answer to those things, um, it will get stolen from you. But the problem with this is, is, you know, I'll go to Morton's in D.C. and hang out with, you know, my lib connections. And they'll say to me, Raheem, you know, if I tell you this now or you report this now, it'll be obvious where this comes from. So, like, I have to wait on these things sometimes yeah. so that 
put it very very obvious right your buddy tells you something you're the only person your buddy tells and then i go and report it well then your buddy's going to know it came from you right so i have to be very careful about these things they will certainly get reported out and i certainly hope to report them out um before the end of this year but 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 it's bad right like there there are mechanisms there are steals there are cheats that they're working on along the way they may drop some Right. You never know what Norm Eisen and all these guys are working on. They may drop some, um, but I hope to be able to report all all four or five, I think, in total, uh, really by the end of the year and have a big, big um, explainer article. But this is what we did before the last election. I had a big, huge article about how it was going to get stolen um, in advance. And then, of course, you know, Molly Ball in Time magazine does it afterwards and everyone goes, oh, wonderful reporting. I said, wonderful reporting. She just <laughs> wrote what I wrote, but I wrote it before it happened. Yeah, you know? yeah. They, they did the postmortem on how they cheated. It's, it's it's sort of amazing. I mean, they said the quiet parts out loud, and everyone's like, "No, there was no cheating." I'm like, "But they're like, they're literally bragging about it, like right there." Like, what what are you talking about? It's uh, it's hard to believe. I told you how I told you how you know the the bus was gonna hit the the dude walking down the street, and then she came along after the buses hit the dude walking down the street. And goes, you know what? I think a bus hit this guy. You know. Yeah, you never get any credit for it. I don't. I don't want a Pulitzer. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. By the way, these days it's basically worthless. I mean, they, they, the people who talked about Russia, 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 and the incredible reporting, all of which was disproven, gets to keep get to keep their Pulitzer prizes, which is sort of amazing. I mean, because they basically reported fake news and are being rewarded for that, and there's no consequence for having found out that it's actually fake news, which. I mean, speaks volumes about just the state of our media in general. Like, it has nothing to do with good reporting. It has to do with regime propaganda, which is what, you know, journalism, for the most part, with the exception of people like yourself, uh, have really been reduced to. They're regime propagandists. You know, I think the only journalists you can really rely on nowadays are the people who actually tell you their biases up front. Which, yeah. is, which is what we do. You know, the strap line of my website, The National Pulse, the strap line is radically independent. And the lefties and the dissents are always like tweeting at me being like, how can you call yourselves radically independent when you're so overtly pro-Trump? I said, no, you don't understand what independence is. Independence is the, the idea that we reach our own conclusions because we believe in it, not because somebody pays us, not because of yeah. advertorial, not because yeah. of any of that, right? We don't take any donations. Yeah, you're not, you're not getting 1500 bucks a month to support uh, Trump like, like most of the the influencers who created, you know, the at least the notional image of what Ron DeSantis was, let's call it six months ago before people actually got to meet Ron DeSantis. Right. And so and so that does actually make us radically independent because because we're not in anybody's pocket. Like I don't yeah. even serve ads on the site anymore because I never want an advertiser to come to us and say, oh, well, we don't like this or we don't like that. No, fuck it. Get rid of all of that in the first instance. Do your business model a different way. And then you never have to have that kind of allegation of, oh, but somebody might be doing this. I said, I said, if anything, if anything, I've paid the Trump campaign because as a reporter, I had to fly on the plane to do a report on that day, right, where we went down to Georgia and we went down to South Carolina. That's a legal requirement that news organizations have to pay the campaign back uh, to fly on their plane or or travel with them wherever. So it's actually even the opposite. (laughs) You know, they've made money off me, not the other way around. Um, And so, you know, we pride ourselves on that. And I think if any journalist tells you that they're like, um, you know, they're, they're just non-biased and they're just sort of, you know, calling balls and strikes in that sort of sense. But they're corporate backed and Pfizer backed and all of this stuff. It's a full and total and complete deception. Yeah, no, listen, there's, there's so many things going on. There, there's so much confusion. There's so much misinformation. There's so much. But the reality, I think, for many voters is they really just 
They want to get their lives back. They want their lives to get better. And it's getting worse under Joe Biden. You know, can my father, can the campaign, can you reduce that down to like a, you know, elect me and the quality of your life will improve? Because it seems like, A, he's proven that he can do that. He's done that already. It seems sort of obvious, meaning I can't name a metric where we're better off today than we were four years ago. You know, what's the playbook here? Or is it just much more complicated than that? Well, it's funny. I have a um, friend who was asking me the other day um, whether or not he should uh, pursue, you know, a young lady that he was interested in. And I simply went on the Internet and I grabbed a clip and I'm trying to find it now. I don't know if I'll even be able to find <laughs> it, uh, but I grabbed a clip and I just I just sent it to him. And I said, this is all you need to know about the situation that you're in. I can't find it right now, so I'll just do it myself. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose at this yeah. point, right? That is the mantra. That is the mantra uh, uh, under which you know Trump addressed uh, minorities going into that 2016 election. It is the same kind of mindset and mantra. You're, you, you know, the lives of ordinary people have not just slightly, not just slightly become more difficult over the last oh, three years. Yeah. They have become drastically more difficult. Um, put it like this. Yeah. Okay, you can go to the supermarket and your bill will be higher. I think everybody has experienced that. I am certainly uh, aghast when I see something like eleven ninety nine for a punnet of blueberries in in Trader Joe's. Uh, now, bear in mind, I live on Capitol Hill, so that's probably an inflated price anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's but it's jarring, right? But then you think about it this way: you can't actually move house right now, like if you wanted to. Um, you, the, the mechanisms, the requirements up front. Uh, the percentage uh, interest you're talking about, uh, you know, all of these things, the, the prices of the houses themselves, all of these things are going, you know, to a ludicrous level. Uh, it, you know, the Venezuela thing, when Trump first started saying Venezuela, Venezuela back in 2016, I was thinking, all right, maybe that's a bit much. Like, it's never really going to go full Venezuela. It's literally going full Venezuela right now. Like yeah. the, the, the levels of inflation that you're seeing, yeah, perhaps you don't have hyperinflation across the board, across all of the averages, but there is actually hyperinflation. There's certainly double digit inflation that is occurring in areas under which, you know, people would like Americans, right? Americans, we're not, we're not living in Botswana. You're not yeah. living with a currency that isn't worth shit. You're not living under, you know, as a, as a, um, a vassal state of another empire. You're not in the Soviet Union's orbit. You're not in Chinese orbit. This is the United States of America, and yet you have all of these machinations taking place. Well, think about it this way. Something has to be terribly and drastically wrong, and someone has to be wanting it to go that way if it's going that way in the country that is the prime reserve currency in the world. It yeah. has to be made and manufactured that way. And, and you, ladies and gentlemen, who are watching this, you are the prime target of that. You are the person that they are redistributing the wealth from. When we say, when people like me have said for the last decade plus now that these people are not socialists, they are avowed, like hardline Marxist, you know, to, to, the, to the communistic elements of this, you better fucking believe it because they want all your wealth. They want all your land. They want your kids to be taught by them and only them. And if you get in their way, they will send the cops around. It's yeah. like this guy the other day in England. You know, this politician, elected politician in England, 
has a complaint about another elected politician being arrested for quoting the Bible. This happened in my country, in England, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So this other guy complains. He says, you can't do this. What did the police come and do? They came and arrest him too. You know, so it's not just, yeah. oh, we're going to go after you if you have a different v worldview to us. Which well, is what's now going on? I mean, people right? don't even understand that. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, if, if you said this is happening in banana republics, you'd say, OK, well, we expect that. But like the UK, I mean, I, I know they don't have the sort of First Amendment uh, as we have it per se, but they are arresting people for like common thought that would have been just standard thought for the last, I don't know, thousand or so years. They're arresting people for what would have been considered basic decency or basic science for the last few hundred years. And it's happened like that, like where, you know, what we would have always thought as one of our great allies in freedom and liberty, it's, it's all bullshit. Like it's happening in the UK. It's so far gone, you can't say these things. I mean. If you misgender someone, even if it's by accident or maybe just because you don't want to be forced to believe their ever-changing, constant machinations of reality and you just don't buy into it or you make a simple mistake, you're going to jail. They're going to jail for quoting the Bible. I mean, this is happening in England. Like, if, if that doesn't wake people up, what does? Yeah, I, I think, you know, maybe some of the problem is that for so very long, people thought this was hyperbole, right? That yeah. these things were happening and that these rights were being stripped away from people. And, and I think to an extent, you know, we, we have had this uh, thing of like rolling our eyes and being like, well, all right, yeah, but it can't really happen here. And now, and now it's just routine. It's just, it's it, this, this, this young autistic girl was ripped out of her own home by the police a few weeks ago in England because she made a comment inside her own home that a police officer standing outside her own home had the haircut of a lesbian. Now she was autistic. So what she was doing was thinking, okay, my aunt, I read the whole story, so I know this. Yeah. My aunt is a lesbian. She has that haircut. This haircut looks the same and so she said she has the haircut of a lesbian the police ripped her out of the home the mother was trying to explain look she's autistic she doesn't know what she's saying they put her under arrest they sent her to jail right now only because of this international ferrari that occurred on the back of it was she released and the police had to end up apologizing but there was video from that incident and it just keeps showing you you know these 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 uh, i mean it's orwellian right in, to, yeah. in a cliched um sense these people have too much power the British public themselves have almost no power, right? There's no recourse. There's no Second Amendment, uh, anything like that. And of course, the big taboo here is the nature of our societies has been fundamentally altered by mass migration to a point where so many people are willing to vote for the kind of uh, jackbooted thugs uh, who pretend that they're politicians and are actually tyrants, people like Sadiq Khan yeah. in London, uh, and they have a stranglehold on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of votes all the way across London because of what? Mass immigration. And yeah. we have a conservative government and we have had a conservative government for the last 13 years. And this week, mass migration reached record highs, even after Brexit, record highs in the United Kingdom. Well, we don't have a conservative government. You know what we have. We have conservatives under notional terms in the United Kingdom, and it, it's going to hell in the handbasket because the Labour yeah. Party will win the next election. By the way, for a real interesting insight, never happened before in history, the uh, United States, the United Kingdom, and the European Union will all have elections in the same year in 2024. So this isn't just a formative moment for the United States of America. 
2024 is a is a, a sea, potential sea change year for the entirety of the Western world. And if 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 they don't get it right, I, I dread to think what what we're going to end up with. I mean, I really dread to think because. Yeah. I don't and think by the way, if, if we're not thinking that there's some sort of globalist plan around all of that to weaponize those forces, whether it be monetarily or otherwise, or just work in conjunction with big tech to get what they want and get that sort of globalist control, uh, then we haven't been paying attention. I mean, that, it seems almost like obvious at this point. Like, I don't think that's that's conspiracy. It's not conspiratorial if you see it happening with your own eyes, right? I mean, it's so flagrant. Well, here's the thing. I mean, here's, here's the choice that's going to be in front of the British public in their next election. Would you like globalist Rishi Sunak, who has presided over the largest increase in mass migration in the nation's history, or would you like globalist Sir Keir Starmer, who pledges to re-enter us into the European Union and push that migration up? It's yeah. not a choice, right? So what do you do if you're the ordinary Brit? What, who do you vote for? This is a very important point, right, is that in amongst all of these problems, all of these issues, everything that we go through on a day to day basis, Nigel taught me this. If you don't have the ability to laugh and if you don't have the ability to laugh at yourself in amongst all of this stuff, well, then you're going to fail every single day because yeah. the anxiety will build up, the anger will build up, the frustration will build up, all of these things. So you have to have that level of okay. levity. Well, by the way, it. talk about that a little bit, because it seems like humor Especially, I mean, from the rhinos or, you know, your, your acronym is significantly better, but for the rhinos and for the left, I mean, humor has been under attack. I, I, I mean, I can see that there doesn't seem to be an outlet because you can always find something or you can interpret something to the, you know, not Ackman's razor, but like to the least probable answer. And you come up with something that you're not allowed to laugh about anything. Could, do you think that some of the violence we've seen from the left over the last few years, because there is that element of frustration, because you can't, I think Nigel's really smart. He gets these things. And, and I think there could be a component because I feel like so many of the people on the, they're literally joyless because they don't even know what they can laugh about at this point. They're, they're not able to make that decision because someone can always interpret it in a way that could be seemed or deemed offensive, even if it's not intended that way and just, you know, take it at face value. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing about li liberals is they killed liberalism, right? They <laughs> they actually murdered it and turned it into kind of just left totalitarianism. And there's no room for humor in left totalitarianism because what happens is you get erased from pictures. You know, if you start making jokes about dear leader uh, in left totalitarianism, you know what is an absolutely amazing example of this is is this guy sean farish who goes to bedminster the other day and stands at the podium and does just the best impression of your father right yeah. in front of him and what's the reaction is he loves it right he yeah. says it's very good and he's laughing and it's great and it's like you couldn't you could not see like joe biden or kamala harris or even like ron DeSantis standing for something like that and taking it with the levity that it's meant and and and, and the love by the way that it's meant because as i always say on twitter i say these are very serious people and you have to take them very seriously right it's it's th these people and look i'm here in washington dc these people take themselves so fucking seriously and i'm so fucking bored of it like they're, they're not serious people by the way they're not interesting people they don't have very much depth and what we're talking about here is the difference between uh, the ironic mind and the literal mind right and all of the left and, and and all of the rhinos and the conservatives under notional terms and the disimps and all these guys have turned 
into the most whiny literalists you could ever imagine. This is why I like listening to you, by the way, is that you put everything into perspective. When you're standing outside there and the Fox News guys are telling you, you know, you can't come into the spin room and all of this stuff, yeah. you know, your your response isn't to storm off in a half. Your response is, all right, we're going to let everybody see what's going yeah. on here, right? And I'm happy to do it. I asked the security guard, what are you telling me? They're like, is that real? Like, I'm like, you're standing in front of the security guard. He said it three times. I can't go another step further. Like, is it real? So it's like, that's why I, I was a little repetitive in my interview because other people <laughs> would show up. And like, if I don't do that, they'll report it as though I'm grandstanding. And I wasn't. Right. I was just like, I don't know. Why are you here? Well, I don't know. It's a Republican National Committee debate. And my father's leading that by about 60 points. And so whether he's here or not, this is not Fox News. They are the vessel to distribute it that to people, right? They're, they're not deciders of anything. They would like to be. That's why they've been fluffing Ron DeSantis for two years. They're not the deciders of that. This is the Republican National Committee. I'm representing the guy that is leading that. You have Democrats in the room. You had other congressmen. You had surrogates of other people in the room. But the people that represent Trump, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, me, you know, I guess Byron Donalds was the only one that was able to get in uh, representing Trump. It's like, I don't know, and I'll call it out because they were like, well, is that real? I'm like, how about you ask the security guard? He's standing right here stopping me from moving forward. Otherwise, I'd gladly go in there because guess what? I will do a better job than it. Frankly, that was the most viral moment of anything that happened in the spin room because of how absurd it is. Look, I, I don't want to get anybody in trouble here, but I do find it um, galling, especially when your father endorsed Ronald McDaniel, right? And then the RNC wants to behave like this. And and the well, it, it was Fox News that did that. I don't think it was the RNC, but the point is that we're at the right. RNC debates that they should probably have some pre-overruled thing. Be like, hey, this is the way it should be. Right. I'm sorry, but Ronna, Ronna should be out there fighting your corner and taking you in and saying, no, you know what? He's my guest. He's coming in with me. You know, whether you like it or not, Fox yeah. News is coming in with. You. And if you don't like it, Fox News, we're not going to do another debate with you, right? And the people who who lead these commissions, Dave Bossy, right, longtime Trump guy, who's leading these, uh, you know, presidential uh, debates and and all of that. Like, let's have some action from our own side instead of the pusillanimity yeah. that comes along with I don't know uh, backing somebody like Asa Hutchinson. Because at that point, if you're not willing to make a stand, you might as well back somebody like Asa Hutchinson, right? Uh, well, talk, talk about, I mean, given, given the gravity of what we're seeing right now, right? We're talking about, you know, primaries, right? But they want to put my father in jail for like 750 years, possibly the death penalty. Um, the recent Republican primary debates sort of seem like they're in the distant past. They were, you know, mm -hmm. they, they seemed like they were in the distant past about 12 hours after they concluded with you know, yet another indictment of a political rival by what's known in the yeah, known around the country as one of the more corrupt, you know, precincts anywhere in the country. I mean, they didn't want me to do the spin room. We discussed that. Mm. But I mean, do you see any point in actually having a bunch of these debates? Like if, if they are and I don't know, they don't even really talk about that. You know, they don't talk about prosecuting the case against Joe Biden, how you're actually going to win. I know, you know, DeSantis, he's the only one that can get elected. The problem is before people got to know Ron, that was true. They'd founded their campaign around that notion. But now Trump is actually the only one beating Biden head to head across the board in national polls. Ron is now losing uh, bigly, to use a, the vernacular of uh, someone near and dear. Uh, but, you know, they don't talk about it. They're still pretending like that's not the case. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on you know, the future of these debates, the future of these primaries, and, and, and what, what's going on? 
Yeah, and look, there's a reason that, that, that Never Back Down, which is the DeSantis pack, has decided to drop, you know, 12 more million dollars on ads predominantly in Iowa, because that debate didn't actually get, uh, they didn't get what they wanted uh, out of that debate out of Ron. I mean, they got- yeah, I think he, they got he, the he, opposite. They got something. I mean, he had a moment. It just wasn't a good one. <laughs> Well, and to quote him, you know, you don't get a mulligan. So yeah. <laughs> he, now you've got to drop more money to just try and stay level in Iowa. I, look, I said this, I said this months and months ago. Uh, this is what happens to campaigns who who get off on the wrong foot. It's, it's what happens to campaigns that hire bad staff. You know, people start dropping out. They have to have a reshuffle. I think they've had five or six now um, uh, resets, reshuffles, whatever you want to call them. And uh, nothing, nothing has changed. Nothing has moved. Uh, you, if you want to get really nerdy about it, you can get really nerdy about it and, and, and identify specifically uh, what the problem in that campaign is. And it begins with Jeff and ends in Roe. You know, the, the campaign, the chief strategist over there uh, from Axiom Strategies who, who you know, they, they talk about it this way. You know, Chip Roy talks about the debate to the media the next day and he says, oh, I think this was great. And I think, you know, we're going to deploy the Ted Cruz strategy here. And one of the journalists said, yeah, Ted Cruz didn't win the primary in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, no, but what people don't understand with like a Jeff Rowe, like he's actually, he's a very smart guy, just not for that. He's really good at making money. He's yeah. a businessman and this is his vehicle. Like something like 80 something percent of all of the dollars going through the DeSantis campaign and super PAC are ultimately funneled through like an entity controlled, owned, operated by Jeff Rowe. Like he'll make 50, $60 million this election cycle. Like. And that's what he cares about. I mean, that's his sort of model. He finds, he either but, finds way, someone he can make a lot of money or he finds a wealthy person who wants the ego of being a senator, but probably has no business actually running, says, oh yeah, spend $20 million. I'll pocket a, at least 60, 70% of that or run it through my vehicles, keep my people employed, make a lot of money. And it actually hurts us in these primaries. So, you know, when historians look back at the DeSantis campaign, how is it going to be described? Is this going to end up being maybe the biggest fail in you know modern American political history, especially given sort of the great expectations that uh, everyone was promised? Yes, I think probably the best way to describe it is, is an historic clusterfuck, right? I think that's probably as accurate as you can be with it. And, and, and you're right about the, the, the money motivation behind people like that. I'll make a prediction that not only will he make all of that money, but he'll then sell his firm after this as well. Oh, to yeah. be wound yeah, up. Yeah, based on the else. multiples of what he just made. It'll... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, that'd be a smart thing to do if you're trying to make money. That's what he's, that's what he's good at. But, but it's, it's, it's absolutely woeful. And, you know, you, you, if you really want to get even nerdier about it, you go, okay, well, why did Ron uh, hire Jeff Rowe in the first place? Well, Adam Laxalt, who had uh, Jeff Rowe as his campaign chief, was the one who convinced Ron DeSantis to hire him as his campaign chief. Well, Adam Laxalt lost. So, like, why did Ron DeSantis look at that and go, yeah, that seems like a good idea? Like, that tells you and should tell you everything you need to know about the decision-making process there in Tallahassee. Look, he's going through it at the moment. Florida's obviously got a hurricane bearing down there. They've had the illegals washing up on shore in Jupiter Beach. I'm not sure if you saw that. Oh, I, oh, I, oh I did. I, I put it out. That's like literally from where I sit right now, that's about a mile, maybe a mile and a half away. Yeah, you live uh, yeah, in a it, it'd be now. nice if we elected a governor. And I think he's been fine as governor. Like, but we elected a governor to not go on what was a, a perpetual book tour. Having been on book tours before, they usually last about a week, sometimes two. His was about six months. And then magically, just magically, he morphed into a campaign. I mean, he's been an absentee governor and these things are going on. I mean, that's not what the people of Florida voted. And I think that's showing in Florida polling as well.
I think it's showing when he turns up to events in Florida now. I don't know if you saw this, and he's getting yeah. booed, and people are chanting, "We want Trump!" when he's in Jacksonville and things like that. I mean, it's it's getting it's getting so bad. Uh, I think for Ron DeSantis right now, but but you know, to come back, I think to your question is, you know, what are we going to see? What are we going to see? You know, in the next couple of months. Well, of course, you know, they have to. Chip Roy is right, by the way. They have to just completely lean into Iowa. It's why they did this farcical thing, like we're going to 99 counties when we've appointed 99 yeah. county chairs. So we started at the National Post to go through who these county chairs were. I mean, it is just a litany. There's never Trumpers. There's Democrats. Um, there's people who say nasty shit about the South, like they call yeah. them brainless people in the South. Um, these are the people that Ron is appointing as county chairs uh, across Iowa with the hopes that that will somehow drag him over the finish line there. I think they're going to get increasingly desperate there. Wait till you start hearing in the next month or two. Oh, no, actually, I was not our firewall. New Hampshire's yeah. actually the no, firewall. No, 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 but that, that's Chris Christie's one state campaign is New Hampshire. So he's got to skip that and then become magically uh, relevant in South Carolina, which I, I have a feeling will not happen. Uh, yeah. I have a feeling will not happen. But yeah, I think uh, the excuses are about to pile on. So that, that'll be interesting. But okay, so the National Pulse, it has yep. your, you have your first print edition out with the title, America's Most Wanted. Despite their best efforts, America wants another Trump term. Talk yeah. about that. Talk where people can find you know, the National Pulse as well, because I think that, that's important. Again, uh, I don't think anyone watching this show believes that they're going to get an honest assessment, certainly not of Trump or whatever, what's going on in the real world, from even Fox News at this point, even you know, sort of mainstream conservative media. So they are opening up their eyes and their minds to other sources, whether it's this kind of programming, people, people like yourself. Talk a little bit about that, where, where they can get it and, and, and what's going on. And congratulations, by the way, that's a big deal. Thank you. Yeah, I always say when people tell you who they are, believe them, right? And that can that can go one of two ways. Um, you can teach you how people who like people are if they're nasty and duplicitous or whatever. And it can teach you who's like actually is telling you the truth. At the National Post, we don't hide who we are, right? Like you will see it in our headlines, you will see it reflected in our picture choices, in the editorial content, in the uh, visual audio visual content. Um, you know, we are who we say we are. We have this set of beliefs and we present the news through that lens. Uh, if, if you want to read it and, and pick holes in it, that's absolutely fine. We have a comment section where people can come and argue with us. They often do, and that's absolutely fine to do that. But what we're trying to do here is is reintroduce uh, uh, the, the idea of, um, oh gosh, I don't know, you know, an old school idea of, 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 of being honest with people. Uh, when you're presenting them with information. Stop so, the insanity, Raheem, please. We cannot have this. People must be spoon-fed the narrative. Yeah. They must buy into that gospel. Uh, they must believe their lying eyes. Uh, please, please don't do this. Yeah. That would be that would be the end of uh, the rhinos and the, the, the uni party in one foul swoop. Look, I do I do editors' notes on some of the stories where I actually get into like, hey, here's why this is good, here's why this is bad, like here's the behind the scenes on this, here are the players that you need to know that are involved in this. A lot of the detail that we've been talking about today gets in there. And of course, yeah, we've got we've got the print quarterly magazine coming out. Uh, we have uh, a number of other shows now that are connected to the network, Steve Bannon's War Room, the Flackus Talks podcast. We're adding shows. So we're really, like a lot of people I think will be familiar with Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire, uh, which is kind of like the neoliberal, neoconservative right 
uh, news network, we are building kind of the, the America first, the MAGA version of that. So oh, wow. people can come over to the nationalpulse.com. We offer a free service. We offer a premium service. And if you want to try the premium service, it's nine bucks a month and the first month is free. So um, yeah, come. It's, listen. I've never encountered somebody who's come along, experienced the, the site, what it stands for, how it reports the news all day long, and decided, you know what, I hate this, it ain't for me. And I challenge anybody out there to come along, have a free month, I bet you, you'll love it. I, I, I'm sure they will. So I wanna talk about personnel, because I think this is yes. something you know, and, and rightfully so. We, you know, uh, frankly, a lot of that was due to Chris Christie being in charge of the plum book and, uh, you know, ultimately the transition. So it's interesting to see how he would do things differently when a lot of the sort of rhinos that you got in there were literally put in there by, by Chris Christie. But coming in as an outsider, uh, that was difficult. You don't know. You, you got to assume that other people are going to give you uh, the truth. And, you know, you, hey, be, before you get in there, you, you, you'll believe they're all part of that movement. Turns out that's an abject lie. I think I think you get that now. I think Trump understands that better than anyone right now. So uh, what do you think staffing staffing looks like in a second Trump term? Because I think, again, I think it's a place we we, we could have done better uh, in the first term. If I call balls and strikes, uh, I think it's a lot harder to have figured that out, not knowing that and, and coming in new. But now uh, with four years actual experience on the job, four years outside watching people flip back and snake you. Uh, I think you have a good idea of that. What do you think it looks like in a second Trump term? How do you ensure that you have strong America first loyalists who are also going to get the job done in there? I, I will also push back on this a little bit because I, I really don't think the personnel problem was as large as people you know, like to now in retrospect make it look. I think there are a number of high profile cases, certainly, yeah. that you would think, OK, you know, probably Anthony Scaramucci and Omarosa and maybe what, you know, those sorts of things, Alyssa Farrer and things like that. But, you know, you got to understand at the time, I mean, Alyssa Farrer yeah. was somebody who just hung out in, in you know, proper conservative circles in, in, in Washington, D.C. and beyond. So it's not like there were the there was obvious glaring things yeah. that you could point to and be like, oh, well, this was clearly very stupid and we shouldn't have done that. No, it doesn't work like that. People will pull the wool over your eyes where they can. And, 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 and frankly, I've known Alyssa Farah since 2010, uh, conniving you know, dirty, disgusting behavior like that should obviously be roundly condemned and have a light shone on it so that people are discouraged from ever doing it again. But the, the problem wasn't actually writ large. You had similar levels of staffing problems in uh, the Obama administration, I'll give you an example of, but the media never reported on it, right? When somebody left the Obama yeah. administration under a cloud of suspicion and disgrace, you never heard about it. Same thing is happening here, by the way. Not to sound like Joe Biden a whisper, but the same thing is currently happening in the Biden administration. The State Department has these people who are being uh, kicked off and having their security passes revoked. Have you heard about any of that in the media? No, you have not. Yeah. But it's happening right now. Uh, and because of well, you hear it, about you hear working. it actually in now from the DeSantis campaign, because another so selling point is like, we don't have leaks. It's like, well, once they had failures and once they met Ron and all of a sudden they got to lay off 10 percent of the campaign staff. Uh, all of a sudden, the leaking is pretty rampant. So yet another thing that was going to be different uh, isn't so different after all. I have to tell you this, and I know it sounds mean-spirited, and I, because I, especially because I know some of the people who work over there in the DeSantis campaign, but it's true. And I'm sorry, guys, this is true. You are the people who applied for jobs in the Trump administration and couldn't get hired over Omarosa. So what does it say about you? Okay, that's that's <laughs> it's completely true. It's completely I, true. I, listen, I, I, a fair point. And, and, you know, they whine about personnel and it just makes me think, yeah, but hold on a minute. Like you couldn't, you, you know, you were unimpressive. 
um, listen, the personnel question is 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 resolved to some extent at the moment as well because there are now there wasn't this remember back in 2015 16 uh, there are now organizations and entities that are run by america first people america first minded yeah. people who who make it their day-to-day -day jobs to sift through the resumes and do the background work and they have hundreds upon hundreds maybe even going into thousands now uh, of of ready to go people who who will who will be great personnel choices in a second trump administration and by the way don't misquote me, because I'm not telling you that means that you're never going to get another no, of personnel problem again, right? And dispense of that idea because people change and and they go haywire, uh, or they or they maybe for good reason they don't want to do that job anymore, right? And yeah. they go and do something else, whatever. Um, but we're in a better position now. I did say this back in 2016, and no fucker listened to me, right? So I hope somebody listens to me at this point in time. There are two major things that you need to do from the outset in the next administration. Number one, it is entirely within the president of the United States gift to replace the head of the National Endowment for Democracy, which is basically the CIA by another name, right? But it's a completely presidential appointed position. It has to be changed. It has to be completely overhauled because what they are doing on a global scale and has, uh, uh, you know, manifestations mm -hmm. backwards into the United States is a massive, massive problem. Massive, way bigger than people. Yeah, understand. that's where they're sending their executives and promises of money to basically conservative places around the world, or at least you know, nationalists to their own country, like Hungary or others, yeah. and trying to manipulate their policy to become globalists. Is that basically that is, the summation? That is, exactly, that is exactly correct. And Congress funds that without even thinking about the work they're doing over and over again. You have to you have to cut the head off that snake. And the other thing that you have to do is, and I think these are probably, probably exist now, but back back when I wanted to start this up myself, is you have to have kind of a, a laundering device for the nation state and the, the, the principles of the nation state in a think tank form, right? Because Washington DC only understands very serious people. So you have to have that veneer of very serious yeah. about it I wanted to call it the Westphalia Institute, right? Because West, the, the treaties of Westphalia uh, in Europe were the ones that really uh, put into place the idea of the nation state as being at the heart of everything. I think if you found something like that and its job day in, day out is to pump out populist nationalist messaging, not just like the red meat, but the intellectual undergirding of it, to these people here in DC, um, I think I think you'll you will end up with getting some traction here. It brings me back, by the way, to the debate the day before the debate, and the the Sims are complaining on the internet that the Trump com staff are briefing corporate media reporters, and I just replied to Christina Pushaw, who's complaining about this. I said, wait. Your, your complaint used to be that Trump didn't hire good enough staff that, you know, they couldn't do this job of spinning the media. Now your complaint is they're too good at spinning the media. Like, wh what are you? Yeah, which one is it? Pick a pony. You, but you're signaling to the world that you also don't know how to do comms work. The, predominantly, when I was working for Nigel Farage, I spoke to The Guardian, the uh, New Statesman magazine, the BBC. Like, that's yeah. the job. Like, they're not my friends. Yeah, you, you got to actually job. speak to the communists, not just to the fluffers at Fox who are doing your, your, <laughs> right. your bidding for right. you. Like, you know, like you, you got to actually speak to both sides. And that, that They don't want that, you know? Right. And and listen, I think I think there are so many uh, great new talents that have emerged over the last couple of years. I think of one of my uh, former protégés, Natalie Winters, who I think would just make like so an amazing great, head of research, like in the White House for like doing oppo research from inside the White And so I think you're going to end up with with a really, really amazing America first team. When you look at what's happening right now in Maui, right, we got to We got to talk about this one because, I mean, I. I 
You see one policy failure after another, water being distributed uh, based on equity. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know where equity doesn't fall into a place when people's houses are on fire, but minor, minor details. Uh, Biden can't even be bothered to care, right? I mean, he does this often, right? Uh, you, you meet someone who lost their child in Afghanistan, and, well, Joe Biden remembers when he lost his child in Afghanistan, which never actually happened, doesn't matter. You greet, since we're talking, you know, basically around the anniversary of the, you know, Afghan withdrawal, you know, he greets the 13 bodies of the service members uh, when he's receiving them, you know, checking his watch because he can't be bothered with the time. He, he goes to Hawaii and talks about, you know, he almost lost his Corvette in a minor house fire that was put out in 20 minutes where he didn't almost lose his Corvette, but he likens that to people who lost parents, grandparents, children. Uh, he, he, he can't be bothered to care. Uh, I mean, do you think this is how Biden campaigns in 24? Does it matter? Is, is the full force strength of the mainstream media and big tech who are working for him, uh, does, does it get him over the line? Uh, does he, you know, it seems like they're already pushing for him, you know, not to debate. Clear, you know, he can't be bothered to do basic stuff. He can't complete a sentence. I can understand why they wouldn't want to do that. But uh, does this allow him to just limp across the finish line? Well, you know, the calculation is very clearly that, that that it's better to keep Biden away from certain things. And and that's the calculation on behalf of his team. Every time he goes somewhere, he ends up, you know, sucking on Jill's finger or, or, or something else weird. Or he's on vacation 40% of the time. I mean, you well, know, in all fairness. better for him. You know, like he'll do less damage for his own administration, his own regime, yeah. um, if he just stays on vacation. Doing Pilates in Lake Tahoe is actually probably the best thing that they can deploy him to do at this point in time. Because every time he goes out there, there's some flub, right? You described a bunch of them there. But there's, there's so many further, worse examples of, of when he goes somewhere and just messes everything up, uh, embarrasses America on the world stage, Foreign leaders are laughing at America right now, by the way, and it's 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 a known thing all over the world that when they meet the Commander in Chief of the United States of America, he's not he, he's not there, right? His eyes yeah. are glazed over. He's walking in the wrong direction. He's shaking hands with the air, like all of yeah. these weird things uh, that he's doing. You think he's doing it, um, you know, in in public, in the view of cameras, and he's not doing it 10x, 20x yeah. worse uh, behind the scenes. That's what's going on. And so, yeah, look, the, the Maui situation, of course, is, 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 is horrendous. Horrendous is the situation for the citizens there. Horrendous is the situation politically for Joe Biden. But yes, you're right. The media, the pollsters, all of these guys are going to continue to cover up for him. I'm reminded of the clip from a couple of weeks ago where he's talking to reporters. Again, he's on vacation, but the reporters are there. They're lined up. They're asking the questions. Hey, you're going to Maui. What are you going to do? Hey, you got any comments about this, that and the other? And he just says, no. Walks off in the other direction. And what do all the reporters do? Okay. Thank you. Uh, oh, thank, thank you. you. You're Mr. wonderful. You, You're fighting Mr. for President. democracy. Thank you so much for coming out here and telling us to go fuck ourselves. Thank you for that. Like this, these, this is the this is the um, compliant class of media that we're talking about here. That that Fox now has found itself, you know, full yeah. square within. Um, I, I I cannot stress to people enough how there has to be a a Bud Light style boycott of Fox News, and I don't mean just don't turn it on because they get your carriage fees from your cable provider anyway. You have to go and hit them where it hurts, like properly go and hit them where it hurts. That means you stop. 
stop dealing with any of their advertisers altogether whatsoever and tell their advertisers that, right? Like I know Mike Lindell still advertises on Fox. I'm sorry, but everybody should be texting and emailing uh, Mike Lindell and saying, hey, buddy, no, we're not going to keep doing this if you're going to keep advertising, putting money in Rupert Murdoch's pocket. Like just not. Yeah, they, okay. they, they'd throw him under the bus so quickly your head would spin if they, you know. Totally. Uh, yeah. So, okay, totally. that's, a, that's an interesting point. So like, what are some of the the big stories coming out either from you guys at national pulse, but what are the stories that need to be on everyone's radars that aren't already? Uh, I, I'm sure there's things that are, that are brewing or we're just starting to hear, you know, what are the things that you guys are focused on that you'll be reporting on that no one else will be? What are the things that Fox news is going to be ignoring that you guys are covering? Well, we gave a great example a minute ago, right? I, I still remember a time where that video of 17 migrants coming ashore um, in on Jupiter Beach would have led Fox News for an entire day. Yeah. And they would have sent somebody down there to interview the locals and they would have uh, reached out to the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office to get more information. And they would have you know, actually done journalistic legwork to find out, hey, why is Jupiter a border town now? You know, like, how is this happening? And, and they just don't. So it's going to be up to places like us where you're going to find information like that. Is it, by the way, you still look for it. Look for it out there. You can only find it on the nationalpulse.com and in local media. Um, for whatever reason, nobody wants to touch this. We continue to do work like that. Um, we continue to do work, especially on the European migrant boat stuff that nobody's talking about because that's coming here as well. Like it's not just people yeah. walking across the border um, that are becoming illegals in the United States. And it happened in Australia. It happened in Europe. And it's happening here now, too. We get into the nitty gritty of the campaign. You know, I have a podcast called The Campaign Trail, where I literally go through stacks and stacks of um, data, polling, all of that every week, listen to every single interview, go through all of the detail on that and actually read you in to what a campaign manager's thought process is like uh, when they when they go through this stuff and when they see this stuff. And, and, and there are critiques of all sites and all campaigns that we do on that. Um, so, you know, the nationalpulse.com is really, I think, going to start becoming people's one-stop shop. We're implementing so many more things categorizations, verticals, customizations to the site where you can decide like, hey, what kind of news do I want to read about? Am I, do I want to read about things that are happening in my neighborhood? Do I want to read about things that are happening around the world? Do I want to, you know, I may hire a sports editor soon because like when you look at yeah. what Ice Cube is doing with the big three and taking on the NBA, you know, this big three NBA fight that's coming up is very much going to be a PGA live golf situation. And it, 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 it isn't just about like the sport, it's about the politics behind the sport yeah. and the, you know, what do we always talk about in politics, right? We talk about monopoly, Mon monopolistic behavior, um, the, totalitarian, the totalitarian inclinations of the, the liberal left now. If you think that stops at the boundaries of politics yeah. and doesn't bleed into culture and doesn't bleed into sport and everything, you're dead wrong. So that's what we do. That's who we are. You look at it. I hate this word, but we look at it holistically. Well, guys, thank you so much, Raheem. Awesome to have you guys. Guys, make sure you check out The National Pulse. Go to thenationalpulse.com. Check them out. Get your news from sources that actually aren't you know, as biased as the insanity that we're seeing. I mean, we're witnessing literally the downfall of all of this, even on the conservative side, every day. So make sure you're actually informed. Also, make sure you go check out 
our sponsors, right? If they have the guts to support programming like this, they're going to be home team. Go check out the folks at Gold Co. by going to donjuniorgold.com. That's D-O-N-J-R gold.com. Learn how to prepare for the insanity that we see going on. Learn how to hedge against inflation, reckless spending, stupidity by investing in tangible metals. They'll take you through it step by step. That's donjuniorgold.com. And while you're at it, you're going to have a cell phone. Don't forget to have it with Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They support the causes that you believe in. They fight back. The other major providers literally do the opposite. And we can go down a long list of examples. So you can put your money to use with people who believe in the things that you do and actually put that money where their mouth is. Or you can give it to those who are going to weaponize your hard-earned dollars against you. So go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered. PatriotMobile.com slash triggered for free activation. It's fast, quick, and simple. And you're helping people fight the causes that you believe in because they do that with a portion of every dollar brought in. Guys, thanks so much for everything. Check it out, and uh, we'll see you very, very shortly. Be well.